Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. I could already just feel like the joy of the Lord bubbling up in this place, and I'm so excited to get to share a word with you today that I've entitled Fresh Hope, because I believe there's hope for each of us today. I'm going to start, though, by telling you a story. So it was Thanksgiving Day, 1988, when I woke up to my mother telling me that today was the day that we were going to know, was she having a baby brother or a baby sister? And now I had three brothers at this time, and I desperately wanted this baby to be a girl. And so my aunt and uncle picked us up. They took us to grandma's house because we had to have Thanksgiving dinner. And then we waited to get the phone call from my parents. And I remember playing underneath the table with one of my cousins, and I was telling her, oh, I just hope it's a sister. I just, I hope with everything inside me that it's a sister. And then I remember the phone ringing, and my oldest brother got to answer the phone because he was the oldest. And then I remember him saying, yeah, Okay, it's a boy. (laughs) And I said to my cousin, oh no, not another brother. I was devastated in that moment. My hopes had been dashed that I would have this baby sister. But what I didn't know is that this baby was going to become my baby. I was six years old when he was born and way better than a baby doll, this was my real life baby. And I took this baby everywhere I went. I carried him on my hip. I fed him his bottles. I gave him baths. He was my actual baby doll. And I was very, very close to him. You know, he wasn't what I had hoped for, but he brought so much happiness to our family. And now he's 32 years old and he has his own babies, but forever he will be the baby of the family. And we still love to dote on his every need. He's just very blessed. When we think about this word hope, we often associate it with the word wish, and its strength is the strength of our desire. We think of hope as this, you know, um, expectation, this desire that something good would happen to us or through us. You know, we hope for good weather on the weekends. We hope that we get to go on vacation sometime this summer. I had hoped for a sister. We hope for good health. We hope to have a good life. But the reality is there is so much hopelessness in our world. Hopelessness is is a state or a feeling of despair. It is rampant. And I know that many of you, you are in a hopeless situation. Maybe if not you, someone you love. Definitely the world around us. I was doing a little bit of research for this message and just a couple staggering statistics from Americans One in five Americans is struggling with mental health. 80% of us are in debt. 45% of us have some type of chronic condition that we are having to manage. There is a lot of pain and trouble and brokenness in our lives. And I believe, you know, each of us, we've endured things. Maybe it's relational pain. Maybe it's abuse, poverty, racism. There are things that have deeply affected us, that have caused us pain, that have made it actually hard to get our hopes up. 
Because when we face this type of disappointment, it can be hard to stay hopeful. It can be so, so hard. And so today I want to look at this whole area and issue of hope. And I, I want to talk about a hope, a different kind of hope that has nothing to do with our ability to stay positive or optimistic. It has nothing to do with wishing. It has everything to do with a person. You see, the hope I want to talk about today, a biblical hope, a living hope, it, it can actually overcome any problem that we're facing. This hope, it breaks down the impossible. And it's like, whoa, Jules, tell me more. What about this hope? And I think instead of saying, what is this hope? The question is actually, who is this hope? Because this hope is actually a person. And his name is Jesus. And what he loves to do is he loves to encounter us as hope himself, hope personified. And he loves for us to experience his hope. And then he invites us to extend his hope. And that's what I want to talk about today, experiencing and extending fresh hope. So I'm gonna pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today and to meet us. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here as we look at this whole subject of hope, God. And we, we admit, we, we don't have all the answers, God. Many of us are going through very painful things, but I pray right now for ears to hear what you have for us today in this whole area of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we are going to explore a story that we find in John chapter 4. And this is a story that some of you may have heard of before. It's kind of a famous story, but if you haven't heard of it, that's okay too. It's called The Woman at the Well. Now, if you know me, I love alliteration, so I feel like we're already off to a good start, Woman at the Well. I mean, it just has a good ring to it. Um, and I thought about reading this story to us today, and then I thought about maybe I should tell you the story. But instead, I actually felt like the Holy Spirit gave me the idea to show you the story. Now, I have been deeply impacted by a TV series called The Chosen. How many of you have actually seen this TV series? Could you raise your hands? Okay, good. So some of you have seen it. Okay, so The Chosen is a series that depicts the life and ministry of Jesus and his disciples. And at the end of season one, they beautifully depict this story from scripture from John chapter four. You can go and read it. And they were very faithful to the scripture. It's an incredible story. Let me give you a little bit of backstory. So Jesus is traveling to Galilee, and he's going to go through Samaria. His disciples have gone out, out ahead. They wanted to get some food. And Jesus is going to divert his, his, his travels to a well where he is going to meet a woman in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, and he's going to have an encounter with her. Now, what you need to know about this woman is she is desperate. She is hopeless. And she is trying to avoid people by coming in the middle of the day. And yet here she's going to encounter Jesus. She's going to have this experience and her life is going to be forever changed. You're going to turn your attention to the screen. Would you give me a drink? Hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? 
Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out alone in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Wood. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water, hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he 
The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> Jumping straight into the story, verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him ourselves. We now, now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. There are so many powerful moments in, in that story. And I just, I want to pull out a couple of them that I believe Holy Spirit is breathing on for us in this season. You see, encountering Jesus, it changes us. When we meet him, when we see him, we are changed. We experience him, and then the invitation is for us to extend him. This woman's life, it was filled with pain and disappointment and trouble. She is in serious relational pain, and she's in sexual pain. She has made lots of poor choices. She was married to five men, and she's living with the man right now that she's not married to. And Jesus calls these things out in her, not to shame her, but to show her that he already knows her. And what I love about this story is Jesus, he, he points to himself. He says, I am the Messiah. And soon it won't be about where you're from or what you've done. It's going to be about who I am and what I've done. He's foreshadowing what he's about to do on the cross for us. He's saying, listen, if you drink of me, if you believe in me, 
you will have living water. You will never be thirsty. It's this incredibly beautiful picture of how Jesus wants to encounter each and every one of us. I I want us to think about the fact that Jesus had to pursue her. He had to go out of his way to go to the well. Like, this is not our culture, right? So we don't even understand, like, going to a well in the middle of the day. It's a very hot climate, you wouldn't go to the well in the, in the beginning of the day. You'd go in the, the, or the end of, middle of the day. You'd go at the beginning or you'd go at the end. And yet Jesus pursues her. And what does she say? You, you've got the wrong one. And Jesus says, oh, no, I don't. And I believe that this is a message for so many of us today. You know, we feel like, Jesus, you've got the wrong one. And he's saying to us, no, no, no. You see, hope, it changes the trajectory of our lives. He sought her out. He diverted his path. And now she experiences his fresh hope. And what I love that we saw here, you know, Jesus tells her, this is who I am. This is who you are. But this is who you're called to be. And he says, you are worthy. You are are valuable to me. So powerful. And then what does he do? After she experiences this living hope, this hope personified, he says to her, go give it away. Go tell the whole town. I I was banking on you doing this. This was all part of my plan that you would partner with me to give away hope. And again, this in and of itself is a miracle. The town knows her. She is a social outcast. She has been rejected by this community. And she runs back to this community and says, guys, the Messiah is here. The one we've been waiting for, he's here. And many come to believe. In fact, she is the first New Testament evangelist to win a city for Jesus. How amazing. You know, so often we think our past, it disqualifies us for partnering with our Father. But what we love to say here is that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. You know, the other week, we took some of our pastors and their spouses here from Urbana and also from Sullivan away on a retreat. And I really saw this play out um, through an activity that we did. We, instead of playing a game, we decided that every session we would have a few people share their story, their story of how they came to relationship with Jesus or met the Holy Spirit. We kind of left it open-ended. And I was really excited about this because I love stories. But I later found out that like some people were kind of anxious and not sure they really wanted to do this. But it ended up being the best part of the retreat. You know, we, we were laughing one minute and then grabbing a tissue the next moment as people shared. And there was incredible hopelessness in so many of the stories. Many of our pastors and their spouses had some similarities. People had lost a parent at a young age. They had struggled with drug abuse, alcohol abuse, toxic relationships. One spouse as a teenager had been hit by a drunk driver and she had to relearn how to walk. Others shared that they struggled with anxiety and depression. They were from broken homes. Folks, these are your pastors, the people who are leading here. And I I believe that this is actually a picture to us that there is fresh hope for every single one of us. And there was this common thread as people shared their stories. They had encountered Jesus. They had experienced him. He had changed them. He had set them free. And then they partnered to extend whatever they had been given away to the world. And, you know, just like as I heard people's stories, you know, Kevin and Jamie, their pastors down in Sullivan, and, and their marriage was, was almost over. I mean, dead. And now they minister to men and women whose marriages are struggling. And then Daniel Goulet, who's our worship leader today, you know, he lost his father as a young man. And now he's going to get to father many churches through the School of Kingdom Ministry. 
David is a worship leader in Sullivan and he struggled with addiction and now as he leads us in worship, he breaks the chains of addiction as he leads worship. One spouse, they shared that they had struggled with anxiety and depression as as a young uh, father and we have another uh, team member who shared that they have a, a family member who's currently struggling with that same thing and right there, that guy who'd experienced healing laid hands on the staff member, on behalf of his family member. It was so beautiful to to listen. And I just thought to myself, this is what Jesus does. He encounters us. He changes us. We experience him. And then we're invited to extend him to the world all around us. It was just so beautiful. And I believe that each of you can do this too. It doesn't have to be your job. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be the woman at the well who is the first evangelist in the New Testament winning a whole city. I mean, if you want to win your whole city for Jesus, go for it. But it can actually be done in these very small and simple ways. I believe that we need hope in all doses and sizes. You know, just the other day, I was at my parents' swimming pool, and they live across the street from us, and another neighbor had come over, and she just casually mentioned to me that her 31-year-old sister was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was just a sobering conversation as she just shared how scary it is right now. And I I felt the Holy Spirit rising up in me saying, you have hope for this. I've healed you and I want to heal this young woman. And, And right there at the pool while the kids were screaming, don't worry, they had floaties on. I just said to her, hey, could I pray for you right now? Could we pray for your sister? You know what? This wasn't wishful thinking. This wasn't like, well, let's wish and and like hope that this is better. No, this was fresh hope. This is hope that Jesus is healer. And so right there, just said a very, very simple prayer because I believe that actually this is what Holy Spirit is inviting us into. We experience his, his hope so that we can extend his hope to the world all around us. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about some confusion that we have around this whole area of hope. Because I I know for many of us, we have these stories of like, it was hopeless, we were in trouble, there was pain, Jesus came, he rescued us, yes, we believe in Jesus, and then life gets hard, and we get disappointed, and we get hurt again, and we're struggling, and we're asking God, like, like, is your hope really real, God? Because I think one of the problems that we have is we think that hope is this one-time thing. Well, Jesus fixed it here. I believe that hope is actually supposed to be this thing that grows in us. We are to experience hope over and over and over and over again. And this is actually where we really need to take a look at our theology, okay? And theology is just what we believe about God. Because we want a new covenant revelation about how hope grows in our lives. Otherwise, when you face discouragement, when you face disappointment, when you're feeling pain, you're going to say, well, I guess that hope thing is not really real. But actually, I want to read a passage that Paul wrote that actually helps us understand how hope grows in hardship. And so I'm going to go to Romans 5. And this is Romans 5, the first five Verses. And so if you want to read this this week, I really encourage you. I think you can go back and you can read these five verses. I believe Holy Spirit really wants to speak to us about how hope grows in our lives. And I'm going to read the first two verses because these truths about hope are going to help us stay anchored as we go through hardship. Okay, this is verse one and two. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he, decla- and, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. 
This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees permanent guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that he has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. There's a lot in this passage that we could, that we could talk about, that we could you know, meditate on. But I, I wanna pick out a couple of important truths that Paul is talking about here. So what Paul is saying here is that two things. We have been made right in being. We've been made right in our identity. We are no longer sinners. We are saints. And we've been made right in our relationship with our Father. Now, both of these things have, have, we have been given through faith in Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying to the woman at the well. I am the Messiah. Through me, you are going to have living water. And so when we place our faith in Jesus, we are given these two things. We are given a new identity and we're restored to relationship with our Father. But there's more. Paul says that we now live in peace with God. We live in perfect relationship. We're not striving and straining and, oh God, we're hoping and hoping. No, we live in peace with God and that door to God is permanently open. We have full access to a loving father who wants good things for us. So this actually really helps us because it puts in us this joyful expectation that we're gonna live in the hope and the glory of God. Now, this hope and glory, it's not only for the good times. I'm a really good celebrator. Like I'm a really, I like a good party. I want to champion things. But this isn't, this hope that Jesus is going to talk about here, or Paul's going to talk about here in this next section, it's not just for the good times. It's also for the hard times. So I want you to listen to this because this is how hope grows in our lives. Verse three, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Okay, so here we actually have laid out for us the, the pattern or the cycle of hope. It, he's saying we can have a joyful expectation. We can have hope because there's actually a cycle to hope. Okay, so pain, problems, trials. What that does when we allow Holy Spirit to help us, when we partner with Holy Spirit, when we have faith in Jesus, what, that, what happens is that that actually develops in us endurance. And what that endurance does is it actually leads us to proven character. And where proven character takes us is right back to hope. And this hope, it's not a disappointing fantasy. It's not a wish. Its strength is not the strength of your desire. This hope is a person and his name is Jesus. And so there is this cycle in our lives where Problems lead us to endurance. Endurance leads us to character and character leads us to hope and hope and it starts all over again. It's this beautiful cycle. You know, I think for too many of us, we think that hope is divorced from hardship. And I believe what the Spirit said to me is actually hope is harvested in hardship. 
Hope is harvested in hardship. And, and this is a hard truth because I know there's many, I know many of your stories and I can look out and, and I, I know there's hard things in your life right now and it feels painful and it feels scary and it might even feel out of control. And you think to yourself, how is hope ever going to be harvested from this pain? And, and I know that is challenging, but I am here to tell you that through faith in Jesus, through faith in him, he is going to harvest hope in your life in those terrible places, in those hard places. He actually wants to show us how, how we can partner with him so that when we go through pain, that we can actually grow in our endurance, so that we can actually grow in our character, so that we can actually be people full of hope because actually his plan is that we experience hope and we extend hope. That's his plan for us. And that's the type of people that we want to be. And I believe that we're called to be. What I love about this is, is when we allow Holy Spirit to, to help us, it keeps us alert for what God's gonna do next. And remember what that last verse says, this isn't a disappointing fantasy. In fact, the alertness for what God's gonna do next in your hard situation, it actually helps you fight disappointment and discouragement in this whole area. You know, it's been a hard year. Like you talk to anybody and it's not like been anybody's favorite year. I mean, maybe you're like, a special flower and you loved it. But a lot of people did like this year, right? And I am someone who's like naturally joyful and optimistic and I call myself hopeful. So in March of 2020, when the world shut down, I was one of those people that was like, for sure by Easter, we are going to be back. It's gonna be fine. And then I readjusted that to Mother's Day. It's gonna be fine. That was some false hope, I will admit now. I also thought my children were gonna go back to school in May of 2020. I also scoffed at the idea that school would be different in 2020. Not to mention just the social and political issues that we were facing. You know, it was like adding fuel to an already raging fire. And then in the midst of that, we had eight pastors transition off of our team for various reasons. I'm just gonna tell you, I faced some pain this past year. I faced some disappointment. I faced some hardship. But because my faith is in Jesus, because he has restored my relationship with the Father, he's given me a new identity. He's filled me with his spirit. I actually, as I faced these problems, as I faced them, I actually said, okay, Holy Spirit, you grow my endurance. You grow my character. You lead me back to hope. And now a year later, I am just shocked at what the Father has done as he's grown me. Grown me in grit. Grown me in strength. Grown me in perseverance. Given me such a deep love for not only this church, but the church. Jesus has actually been such a faithful teacher in this entire, entire lesson. And, and don't think I've been perfect. I've cried many a tears. Many of you have encouraged me along the way. But this is actually the process that Jesus wants to take us through. And it's not this one-time process. It's just over and over and over and over and over again. So now I've, I've had this, you know, this deep belief that Jesus is, is for the church. And just the other day on a Zoom call, I was talking with a gal who goes to a different church and she just said, you know, I'm really struggling. There's a problem at my church. And I just felt the faith of God rising up in me, hope that God loves the church. And I just said to her, hey, do you wanna get together and have coffee? And we got together and I listened and I prayed. You see, I have experienced God's hope. So I just extend it to the world around us. This is what we are called to do. Jesus is the hope of the world, and there's fresh hope available for every single person today. And I just, I sense that there's two groups right now. There's those of us who we need to a fresh experience of hope today. 
we're in a season of hardship and you've been beat down. And I, I just even sense that the father saying that just like the woman at the well, today he searched for you. You came to this service to hear this message so that you would know how much Jesus loves you, that you would know how much he sees you, how much he values you, how worthy you are of his love. So I believe today that as we worship, I believe that some of us are gonna just be overcome by experiencing Jesus afresh. And that's really important because we, we, if, we don't have, if we don't experience it, we can't give it away. And then secondly, I believe for some of us today, we, we're called to be extenders. And today there is just like a holy commissioning where Jesus is saying, what I have done in you, I wanna do through you. And so he wants to give you eyes where every day you wake up and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what hope am I gonna give away today? What have you got for me today? Because this, this is not a fake hope. This is not a shallow hope. This is the living hope of God. I'm gonna have a stand and I'm gonna pray a scripture over us today. This is a little bit different way to transition us into worship, but I just really felt this scripture from Paul. And I just want you to listen to the words that Paul, as Paul writes these words, and we're just gonna go into worship to experience him and then, be filled with him so we can extend him to the world around us. So this is Romans 15, 13. It says this, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And and may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Jesus, this is our prayer. You are the fountain of hope in our lives. God, we we don't wanna fake it. We don't wanna muster it up, God. We want you to dump it out on us. And so right now, just we just invite your spirit. And I just pray that hope would begin to rise in the room, God. May we be surrounded by your super abundant hope. God, may we radiate hope. And so we just say, come Holy Spirit, as we worship you in spirit and truth. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.